0: We get to head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline as we say hello to the one, the only, Vince Ferrara. Vince, how are you? He's doing quite well. I can sense it. Uh, I'm good, John. How are you guys doing now? I
1: heard the beep. Yeah, there nervous? we go.
0: There two, we go. Two, so, two, three seconds to get on? A couple, two, tree. That's right. <laughs> but uh, Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And, uh, Vince, I know that you have truly enjoyed the experience of getting to know, and, uh, and you've been quite impressed with all they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So many great traits about Waters Equipment. They've been in the area doing successful business, family-owned business for 48 years. So four decades of a local family-owned business. And, um, they're just top-notch equipment, both for rental and for purchase, residential or, um, or business, whatever you need. They'll take care of you. So yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure and honor to, to do business with them and, uh, have, have me be the, the
0: voice to tell everybody about it. If you want to join the conversation this hour, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular Customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, Tennessee, 2-0. Volunteers head to Georgia for what will be their strongest test to date. But what were the biggest takeaways that stood out to you in the 35-12 win over Missouri? Well,
1: it took care of business, and they handled a team that isn't in the same position in their development as Tennessee. They don't have as good a roster as Tennessee. So they handled business the way they were supposed to, and I I think that's a real positive. That's one. Two was the return of Cade Mays and what an impact he had on that offensive line. We wondered just what kind of impact him not being there would have uh, and there's so many different variables in game one. It's hard to 100% quantify what him not being there uh, had to do with them having just kind of a inconsistent uh, overall performance in week one, even though they weren't bad. They were just weren't as dominant as the expectation was. But him being in there, I think he elevated the physicality, the finishing of the offensive linemen. I do think he impacts – his teammates, they've all loved having him there and know what it meant to him for for him to be there, and then for him to have the versatility to play multiple positions. How many times did we talk about Cade Mays, if and when he was eligible, he would slide right into that right guard spot? Well, as it turns out, Jerome Carvin had a really good camp. Brandon Kennedy told me that in the pregame ball network interview that he thought he might have had Carvin – the best camp out of any of the linemen. And so because Carvin played so well, they put Cade Mays at right tackle as opposed to right guard. And Mays, as Pruitt has said and as we saw at Georgia, has that versatility and can play any position on the line. And they took advantage of that by saying, all right, who are our best five guys? And as it turns out, they chose Carvin over five-star Darnell Wright. We saw Wright doesn't mean that he can't get back into that starting lineup. But, man, what a nice problem to have, to have you know, Jameer Johnson who started game one and is so experienced to have him not be able to start because Wandy Morris is ready to go, and he was much better on the left side. You have Trey Smith. You have a six-year player, Brandon Kennedy. You have other options of guys that have started off the bench as well. The The depth was really shown out even more. But I think Cade Mays made such a big impact there. Third down, much improved for Tennessee. And even when they weren't able to convert on third down, four for four on fourth down, love the decisiveness of, of them uh, going right after it and not wasting any time. Uh, Jerry Garantano with those quarterback sneaks, uh, trying to be like Tom Brady. Um, and then, and then their their touchdown efficiency in the red zone, going five for five. That's what you want. Don't want to mess around with them. So I think all those things. There were more things that were impressive in individuals, but those are some of the the big team takeaways from that win. Just impressed with with them taking care of business, and you know, obviously the competition elevates here in week three.
2: So I heard you ask Brandon Kennedy if they've come up with a name for that jumbo package. What what do you think they should call it?
1: You know what? I have, because none of them have thought of one, I actually have not given that a ton of thought. But <laughs> I, will, I will kind of stash that a little bit, Jimmy, and I'll work on it and try to get back to you. I'm surprised that no one, doesn't, no one has anything to throw out there, even if it's nothing official. But we know one thing. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't know the name of it, and I don't think he's going to waste any of his time <laughs> on that either.
2: <laughs> I would think so. Uh, one concern for Tennessee to me is the secondary. I didn't think they had a good game against South Carolina. Shy Smith ate them up. They had a couple of busts uh, that were pointed out by the head coach against Missouri, and they've had a number of people that have been hurt or missed practices due to the virus uh, Vince, I see that as a little bit of a concern going into the Georgia game. How do you see it? I
1: agree. If you're looking for areas that need to make the biggest jump that maybe we haven't seen more of the positive than the negative. Because you can't say that about many of the other positions, except for maybe tight end, which has, you know, been helped. I guess that's that's been better because it's been helped by all the the jumbo packages. So that that's the solution to being thin and unproven at tight end is you put in a bunch of extra offensive linemen, which we kind of thought they would do. We just hadn't seen the two at a time that yeah. much. But I, I do think the the secondary is an area that has to get better. I mean, when you think that you know, Georgia ha- has George Pickens, obviously, and they've got some young, talented receivers that are much better against Auburn, but you're a couple, couple two, three weeks away from Alabama. And and that's a scary proposition if this group doesn't get better uh, in, in the secondary, and it hasn't been the same guys. It's not like they brought they put out five guys and and you know the, this guy's struggling, this guy's struggling. It's been a variety of different guys. You saw Danico slaughter a ton in game one. You didn't see as much of him in game two. Theo Jackson moving to that star position in game two. Bryce Thompson not having played his natural position yet of outside corner because he played safety in game one out of necessity, and then he was so limited because he got banged up during the week last week. Uh, you've got you've had a number of guys just really moving around, and your Kenneth George Jr. at times has flashed and made good plays. He's also gotten beat a fair amount as well. So it's a variety of guys. Maybe the most consistent. Might be Alante Taylor, but he hadn't been perfect either. So it, it, as a group, they do need to get better. I'm guessing there's uh, enhanced emphasis. The coaches, I'm sure, see that. I, I wonder how far away we are from seeing Key Lawrence, uh, in with more regularity. You know, I'm still high on Warren Burrell and played a little bit in the game, but he still, because he was limited in practice, I don't think we've seen his best uh, play as of yet, so um, I, I think eventually we're, we're probably going to see them go to different guys and see if that works. And um, and T. Lawrence would be a one to kind of watch to see if maybe he can have a positive impact in that group. But they got to get better all the way
2: around. We saw more of Jalen Hyatt, a true freshman receiver. Do you think we will see more of freshman receivers going forward?
1: Yes, and I also think Hyatt's role will increase, and you know it may come at the at the cost of Ramel Keaton and Cedric Tillman. And those guys played some, but if they don't elevate their game, I think they're going to get passed over by Hyatt, and then one of the other freshmen. I, you know, I, I probably I would think the next best candidate might be uh, Amalikai Wadman. But because he can give you that height and red zone ability, um, but you know Callaway Holiday can't rule them out if they show explosiveness after after the catch. So I, you know, but there I, th- I think also there's some really good candidates already at the at the slot. Vailis Jones Jr. Hyatt can play that position and outside as well. So I would guess. If someone else is going to have an increased role among the freshmen, we haven't seen it. Might be Weidman with that six-four frame. Um, so you know the the older guys and the you know the the sophomores and and uh, redshirt sophomores like Keaton and Tillman, they they have to elevate their game in practice. So I do think those guys will pass it.
0: Let's go to the phones and check in with Jim. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good
3: afternoon, guys good afternoon you know i wanted to throw out a uh, question that uh, john pennington's uh, panel uh, had a chance to answer not this past sunday but the previous sunday after the first week of games and i thought it was an intriguing question and i frankly was very surprised on one of the panelist's answers and the question was uh, who would be the better hire mike leach or jeremy pruitt and and on that panel was Daniel Hood, and he he chose actually Mike Leach, and he made the comment about in this day and age uh, offense is actually more important uh, than defense. And you know, yeah, Mike Leach had just come off a huge victory in Baton Rouge, but wasn't this past Saturday the perfect metaphor for Mike? not metaphor, but reality of Mike Leach, you have this great win, and then the following week you lay a complete egg. You bomb at home against a team that had won in the SEC in 20 or 21 games. How would you guys answer that question, Mike Leach or Jeremy Pruitt? Who's the better hire? I'll
0: say this. I think that, I mean, Mike Leach, his his career, he has, I think, greater accomplishments than coach Pruitt at this point in time but I think coach Pruitt has a much higher ceiling simply for the fact that we have seen the Mike Leach experience at now three locations now granted very short sample when it comes to his time at Mississippi State but I mean it is it is the perfect demonstration Jimmy you've talked about it he's exactly the coach that can help you stun the rest of your conference with a very unexpected victory at the same time That style of play leaves the door open for a team that has no business beating you, winning just as Arkansas did on their home field as the Bulldogs played for the first time this season in Starkville. So I do think that, yes, there are things that Mike Leach does awfully well, but I also think it is a roller coaster ride. Uh, To me, I like what I've seen out of Coach Pruitt. Now, uh, the next step to be taken is, reaching up to get one of those elite schools that are on Tennessee's schedule every year. That's the next step for this program to take. But I like how he's built it, uh, even though, obviously, his background is defensive football. I think, Jimmy, he's also shown that he knows exactly what he was looking for out of his offense because he wasn't, uh, I mean, you had a coach that went on to become a head coach, his first-year offensive coordinator, but he knew exactly what he wanted next in Jim Cheney.
2: Well, and and you and I had just talked about how when Leach was at Washington State, they blew that game to UCLA with like a thirty-five point lead in the second half. Mm-hmm. I didn't think. No, look, I thought they beat Arkansas, and and I do wonder if Daniel Hood had a mulligan, what he might say. But I, I think I think Pruitt has a better understanding of what it takes to win in this league, and I do think that Leach is going to have a measure of success at Mississippi State, i.e., beat LSU but I just don't think he's going to get you where you want to go. He's not going to have the success that Dan Mullen had. There's no way that he can win nine or ten games at Mississippi State, in my opinion. Of course, this year doesn't count because they're only playing ten. But but I, I think that um, uh, he is more susceptible to getting beat, and I think when you run that kind of an offense, you're not going to beat the big boys in this league. So I would take Pruitt based on his recruiting and his understanding of the league. Vince, what would you do?
1: No, I agree. Uh, my answer would be Jeremy Pruitt. A, a couple of caveats, though. It depends on when you ask the question. If you would ask me, you know, before Jeremy Pruitt had ever coached a game, you know, obviously a lot of us with with Leach's track record and resume would have yeah. said Leach. But based on the here and now, what we've seen in player development and recruiting and putting together a staff and connecting with his players and understanding. Uh, and maturing uh, as a a head coach to be able to delegate. And you don't have to be in in, uh, the offensive world of of football today. You don't have to be yourself, the head coach, an offensive guru, if you're willing and smart enough to hire the best people. And he's got one of the best offensive coordinators in the country that he brought onto his staff. Took him a year to learn after his first one at Tyson Helton, but he's got it right now. And so I I think so. And it also depends on where you're asking. If you're talking about Washington State or a Mm -hmm. group of five or or even a Mississippi State where you have to take some chances, I think then then that's probably a different answer. But in the SEC, at the University of Tennessee, or at a power school, my answer as we sit right now would be Jeremy Pruitt.
3: Jimmy, that uh, UCLA game last year, Washington State was up 49-17 to in the third quarter, and UCLA scored 50, 5-0 second-half points to win 67-63. <laughs> so, yeah, what's your point?
1: and
0: then threw <laughs> his kids under the bus afterwards and put it on them, not on him. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's exactly where I was going with that because, Vince, <laughs> that's exactly what you saw. He talked about how his, his players were fat and happy and entitled, and, and it's like who was responsible for every single player on that roster, scholarship or otherwise? It was Mike Leach. So, um, yeah, why don't you point the <laughs> finger at yourself first and then – uh, then you can now it's not to say that players aren't ever uh, up for criticism but again when you're talking about that aspect of their personalities you brought every single one of them
3: to pullman guys i no, appreciate Jeff. your comments
0: thanks guys Jim, <laughs> thank you we'll get a break we have our friend vince ferrara with us this hour and of course vince's appearance brought to you by our friends at waters equipment this is sports talk on 99.1 the sports animal
3: turn us up and embarrass the Alabama fan that sits in the next cubicle.
0: This is 99.1 The Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. To join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, what impressed you about Georgia? I'm sorry, say that again, Jimmy. didn't hear you, sorry.
2: What impressed you about Georgia that went over Auburn?
1: I mean, obviously the line of scrimmage. (laughs) I mean, everything was so much improved from Arkansas. And look, we have to, and you guys have probably talked about it, you have to consider that based on what we saw from Arkansas in week two that maybe they were a little bit better than we gave them credit for in week one. Um, Now, that to me doesn't speak to the quarterback issue that they had with Dwan Mathis in the first half, but it, it, Stetson Bennett settled them down in the second half, but they still didn't look great, even though they pulled away. But I still think there was a jump, even from second half Georgia in week one. I thought that was a huge jump, and obviously in level of competition still against Auburn. The line of scrimmage, the run game, Bennett looked poised, and it was able to escape uh, the rush at times and still make plays. He... Um, you know, I, I've I've kind of wondered long term on how, uh, you know, what they can win big picture with him as their quarterback. But man, at least he gives them the element of not hurting them, like you had the risk reward with with Mathis and that potential that they went win uh, with in week one. And you know, we'll see. Maybe when JT Daniels is ready, maybe at, there'll be an opportunity if Bennett. uh, struggles at some point well they'll stick Daniels in there there, and maybe they'll have more upside with Daniels at quarterback but right now he's doing what they need because they need to get back to, and this is similar to Tennessee establish the run first and then throw off of that I think that's where Tennessee is best I think that's where Georgia is best. You also saw Georgia really flex their muscles defensively Uh, they have a lot of experience we thought they were on defense we thought they were going to be one of the better defenses in the SEC in the country coming in and they certainly looked the part they don't have to rush all uh, or they don't have to blitz a ton because they can get after the quarterback with their with four guys now so they don't have to overcommit there and then also you know when I asked Jeremy Pruitt about some of the things he sees in Georgia's defense he mentioned two things he went straight to the players which you can't underestimate, even if you're you're not familiar with the names, their names are a bunch of four- and five-star guys littered on their roster. So they have dudes to begin with, and then a lot of them have had experience over the last couple of years. And then another thing you pointed out was the back end. And so they can cover – so well on the back end then it does free them up to be able to give quarterbacks different looks and do so many things so they kind of have the best of both worlds working you you have cover corners to where you can do more things and commit more players to getting after the quarterback but they also have a front four that can get after the quarterback to where you don't have to overcommit and blitz so they can do a lot of different things that versatility pick and choose so I think it's gonna certainly gonna be a challenge for Tennessee and and also because of the fact that Jeremy Pruitt pointed out that the receivers needed to be better in man coverage. Well guess what Georgia does and will do? They're gonna man Tennessee's receivers up on the outside and probably do it better than any of the two teams that have done it the first two weeks, even though uh because South Carolina didn't have their you know their two starters. Uh, throughout uh, a good part of that game. So, it's going to be difficult and a challenge for Tennessee, but they they kind of have it all working right now even if they don't have you know, one guy that has this name of uh, value like a, a a Stingley at LSU or you know someone else that's thought to be a you know top 10 pick. They still have a ton of talent and they they have all facets of it right now.
0: Let's work in a quick call from Jerome, who joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jerome. Hello. How are you guys doing?
3: Fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm an everyday listener, but a first-time caller. Well, well we y'all... appreciate both. Yeah. Yeah, Y'all caught my attention when you was talking about the jumbo package. I got the perfect name for it. Coach Truitt don't know it yet, but all he got to do is just yell the beef package because there's a lot of beef on that line. <laughs> the
0: <beef package. laughs> Where's the beef? <laughs> that's right. Big yeah, orange that, beef. It, it's, it's a lot <laughs> of beef. Yeah, big, that's right. Big
3: orange beef. And I'm, I'm tickled, man. It, it, it's so exciting to watch them play because we have a line now that can – Tech Garantano, and I think he'll get better as the season goes, and if everybody else gets better as the season goes, the Vols are going to be hard to beat. Hey, Jerome, I like
1: him. it. I like it. Yes. One, sorry, one quick thing. You called it the Big Orange Beast Package, so then for yes. short, you call it the Bob Package, yes. and, and then yes. it's known to the fans kind of insight, you know?
3: Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> But I, I I really enjoy you guys' show, and I thank you for being on every day.
0: Well, Jerome, we appreciate Thanks, you Jerome. listening every day. Please call again. And so we will get a break. We've got more with Vince Ferrara as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. And, of course, our good friend's appearance is brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break and be back with more as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Sports talk continues with Jimmy Himes, I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Before we get back to our conversation with Vince, Jeff heard the cue to call, and he now joins us as he attempts to score a four. Jeff, thanks for listening. How are you? Doing great, fellas. How you doing? doing quite well hope you're having a great day so uh here's how it works tennessee plays at georgia this saturday at 3 30 kick how do you see it playing out between the volunteers and the bulldogs
1: well first off i'm trying to win a Ford. um not that i want uh georgia to win but i am predicting georgia to win 24 tennessee
3: 17 so all you need to do now is just draw my name on friday and I'll be looking forward to that new Ford.
0: <laughs> well, tell you what, we'll be looking forward to a ride in your new Ford. So we'll do it that way. But, hey, Jeff, we again, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Good luck with the drawing. Good luck with the prediction. Yes, sir. Thank you, and go balls. All right, sure to appreciate it. Here's how it works. We take all of the predictions we get through the week. They go into a random drawing on Friday. If Jeff's is selected, and Tennessee and, and, and Georgia play, and the Bulldogs win twenty-four to seventeen. Then Jeff will be the brand new the owner of a brand new Ford F one hundred and fifty, courtesy of our friends at Ted Russell Ford. So listen for your next opportunity to score a Ford. It will come tomorrow morning in hour number two of the starting lineup. We say thank you to Ted Russell Ford, and we say good luck. Jeff, again, to uh, join the conversation that we have going on this hour with Vince Ferrara, 656 9900. Let's go back to the phones where it's Andrew who joins us. Hello, Andrew. Hey,
1: guys, I got a couple of quick questions. Uh, I, don't, I haven't heard you guys discuss this, so pardon me if you have, but it looks like the game Saturday is going to be uh, pretty rainy. Do you think that plays into – I feel like that plays into our hand just a little bit more than Georgia because we're going to lean on the run game. But I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. And then kind of the same question on the coaching staff, as familiar as Kirby and Jeremy and uh, Chaney are all
0: with each other, do you think that tilts the hand to to us a little bit or to them or does it kind of cancel out? And uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. All right. Sure do appreciate it, Andrew. Vince, what do you make of all that?
1: Well, first in terms of it – you know the wet conditions favoring either team. I think Georgia's kind of built the same way. They they want yeah. to and need to establish the run game. So I, I think it it's the same for, for both. I think in that type of situation the biggest thing will be ball handling and especially from the quarterback. That is something that both teams, uh now under with Bennett as Georgia's quarterback both teams have done a pretty good job of protecting the football. Tennessee is one of only eight teams in the country that has yet to turn the football over this year. Um, you know They haven't gotten a ton of turnovers. They had the Theo you know, Jackson interception so uh, last week, so their plus-minus numbers aren't over the moon, but they protected the football. What changes? Some quarterbacks are much better than others in wet conditions. How much have they even practiced that? Uh, so I think that's an unknown. So I would go with a wash from that standpoint. And
0: then, you know, what was the, the second question, John? It was coach familiarity. Uh, Kirby Smart, Jim Cheney, Jeremy Pruitt, all very familiar with one another. Do you think that benefits one side versus the other, or would you say it washes out?
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, this isn't the, the hot take answer that maybe is supposed to be given, but I'm I'm going with wash. I think when when you see a lot of these things, I do think it is a wash. Now, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt and this coaching staff gets a a has an edge over quite a number of teams, and I I thought, but I, I don't know if the familiarity would be the reason for it. I thought one of the reasons why I stuck with my six and four prediction for Tennessee going into the year is because of so many unknowns about this season that I think this coaching staff can figure things out on the fly within a season based on personnel availability, but also within games as well. So if there will be an edge, I I might kind of lean a little bit towards Tennessee, but in general the whole familiarity thing aspect of it in a bubble, I, I think that is generally a wash.
0: That's Vince Ferrara with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. To join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T. And U.S. cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, The Sports Animal. The Sports Animal and Alexa are best friends. Just tell her, Alexa, enable the 99.1 The Sports Animal skill. Skill enabled. Then anytime you want immediate Tennessee sports info, say, Alexa, play 99.1 The Sports Animal. Okay,
3: playing 99.1 The Sports Animal.
0: Segment to our number two of sports talk final segment with our friend vince ferrara to get a question or comment in under the wire 656-9900-656-9900 656-9900. star 990 is free for at&t and u.s cellular customers the toll-free number 1-866-656-9900 vince uh, what can folks find right now at 99 point at uh, 991 thesportsanimal.com
1: yeah, tons of player interviews from today and all in video and audio form, plus Jeremy Pruitt's press conference yesterday. Uh, even go back to this weekend where you can see some game highlights. If you want to go back and, and revisit the win over Missouri, we posted so much from the post game. Maybe you missed some of those post game interviews or highlights, Jeremy Pruitt, any of that kind of stuff. It's all up there and tons, tons. More, we'll have practice highlights from today, photo gallery, a bunch of photos from the weekend's game as well. So spend some time on it. Go to the Vols tab and and uh, and go and click on that All Stories feed, and you just kind of scroll through every day. I mean, dozens of stuff going up every single day. So make it a daily stop for you. Bookmark it, dot com. And uh,
0: what can we look forward to later this week uh, when we get to Thursday night and – In the cage, MMA radio.
1: Yeah, on the heels of Coach to Coach uh, at 8 to 9 here on the Sports Animal, and we will continue to discuss all the Fight Island shows that continue on with the (laughs) UFC, just churning those out every week. So we'll look back on last week, look ahead to this week, and uh, and break it down to some matchmaking as well, which is always fun. Tim Loy and I will talk MMA uh, Thursday night, 8 to 9.
2: Hey, Vince, looking around the SEC, your thoughts on Florida's offense and Florida's defense?
1: Woo, it is is the Kyle show with those two, with uh, Trask and and Pitts. I and they're a handful. Now, they haven't really been able to run the ball as well as I think they will need to uh, if they're going to win the East. So that's an area of concern. And also on the flip side, they're not really stopping the run very well. Uh so th- those are areas that need to clean up but against a lot of teams that that passing game is going to be good enough to get them through and they'll they'll make some plays and you know dan mullen's a good coach so uh they'll they'll figure it out most of the time but if florida wants to win the east they they've got to improve in those areas and look teams can change so we'll we'll see maybe they guys do develop and and they can figure some things out. But they've been all about the passing game and a, a little little bit uh, suspect uh, defensively. But they they got good players there, so I wouldn't rule out them figuring it out.
2: I was doing a, a show out of our market, and I was asked who's the biggest challenger in the West Alabama. And after thinking about it a second, my answer was nobody. Um, <laughs> do you think anybody's going to challenge Alabama in the West? What? Well, well,
1: no, I don't. But I, I, as crazy as it is, after week one, it may still end up being LSU, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I, that may have been just a one-game, unprepared, just crazy Mike Leach type of of rise up and, and run them out of the, the building, and then they figure it out. Now, it was Vanderbilt last week, so uh, you also can't overreact to that. But they got players. So when you got players, you have a chance to figure it out. And, uh, you know, Texas A&M, just they're so inconsistent. And, uh, you know, and and Auburn obviously has issues at the line of scrimmage, and they don't have the hosses on the D-line that they did a year ago. So long term, I might still default to, if you're just asking me who's going to finish second, might still default back to LSU. By the way, I did pick Ole Miss straight up over Kentucky last week, so I was happy about that pick. But they're not ready for that yet. It's still all Alabama in the West.
2: Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win about three games, and I think LSU's seven and three at best. You like LSU's talent more than I do. One of my concerns about their talent is I think it's it's so much of it's young. They don't have much experienced talent, so – I d I don't think they can hang with Alabama. I I may end up being wrong, but I don't think they can. So we'll no, see. No, I don't
1: think I don't think they can hang with Alabama either. I'm just saying that they would be second if I had to pick somebody else among that group.
2: Yeah, they might have the best chance. Uh A and M doesn't look too formidable. It is kinda of interesting though, I mentioned this earlier on the show. In the East Division there are three teams that are two and O, and there are four teams that are O and two in the East. So I <laughs> that looks like a separation right there, doesn't it?
1: It does, and I'm not ready to to crown the East just yet as, as overtaking the West. I think we need to slow our roll there because well, I didn't say I that. Think, no, no, no. I'm not saying yeah. you did. I, yeah. I'm just saying for anyone that might want to come to that that conclusion as of yet, because of how they feel about Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida right now, I still think we need some time to let it play out. Plus, you got to look at the whole thing,
0: top to bottom, not just the top. Right. Game three tonight, NBA – excuse me, game four tonight, NBA Finals. Do the Heat pull even or do the Lakers pull away? Well, I, I would not be surprised
1: if the Heat win. It dep- if Jimmy Butler it, – obviously he had an amazing game. But if he is that aggressive again tonight and uh, Bam Adebayo is now questionable as opposed to doubtful before – if he plays, does that change the way Jimmy Butler plays? Is he not going to be as aggressive and looking for his own shot? If he plays that way, it, it Miami's defense is kind of connected to him uh, offensively as well. So, i I would say I would say probably lean on Miami, even though I still think the Lakers win the series. But gosh, who knows? Maybe the Lakers do bounce back. It, uh, but I'll go with Miami if I had to pick one.
0: All right. Hey, Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll talk again soon. All right. You guys do the same. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And we say thank you to Waters Equipment uh, for Vince Ferrara as he joins us each Tuesday uh, here on Sports Talk.